welcome to Tangredown. This is your host Iggy, and uh, uh, being honest, I have not kept up with MMA lately. Uh, just didn't have the time for it. Uh, there's been an important update uh, in regards to the fundraiser drive, and um, to those who don't know. I am currently fleeing Russia, <laughs> and uh, I've been on the run for the past seven months uh, at this rate. And uh, yeah, I've, at some point I've ran out of money and uh, I needed cash urgently. And we managed to, well, we started a fundraiser drive and uh, we managed to raise a respectable sum. It's been doing relatively well, all things considered, and uh, we found an attorney. We found an attorney that will um, look at my case and uh, come up with a way to present it to the U.S. government in order to get uh, me and my wife a visa. So there's that. And you can read all about it in uh, the fundraiser updates that we've been posting on our website and uh, some of the updates that have been uh, posted uh, for the patrons on our Patreon. So if you want to know the details of everything that's been happening, just uh, three bucks per uh, it's uh, at the three dollar tier, uh, three bucks per month, and you have access to uh, all those and uh, everything else that we released over the years. So, need bonus, I guess. Uh, so yeah, um, and this Tengradome is uh, not going to be about MMA, and uh, uh, it's uh, it's not anything new to, for Tengradome to be honest, because I've branched out beyond the scope of uh, just the fights uh, quite often in the past. Uh, it's just that lately I've been focusing on week-to-week uh, fight breakdowns because, uh, you know, it's easier. Um, so, how do I broach the subject? Well, I guess not to faff about it but, uh, too much. Uh, Russia declared mobilization, quote-unquote, uh, partial mobilization, and allegedly they only wish to... Uh, call upon those who have served, have uh, uh, have finished service, have military ranks, training, etc., etc. Bullshit. Massive, massive bullshit. All lies. Uh, as always, Russia just lies. They do not. Uh, they they're not planning on settling on three thousand, uh, three hundred thousand, which is still a tr- staggering number in terms of uh, like able-bodied men. They ship. They wish to ship off. Recently, there's been a leak from the Kremlin, and it's actually upwards of one million. Now, whether or not that's possible, it's kind of a moot point, because, I mean, obviously it's impossible. Uh, Like, (laughs) even the most, even the staunchest warhawks in the Russian popul among the Russian populace, don't want to die. So you, you get this massive exodus from Russia, a second wave even larger than the last one that's uh, that's that's been going on ever since uh, February 24 which is uh, when the invasion started and uh there's a it's now like the exodus is now happening across all of Russia not just from the western parts of the country and some other regions and like sporadically every once in a while someone like a, a bunch of people starts leaving and there's uh how to how how to quantify the demographics and uh, no one's crunched the numbers yet but my guess is a lot 
a lot of the people leaving the country early on were have been doing so out of like political concerns and business concerns due to the sanctions and now it's just people fearing for their lives basically people who do not wish to die and uh one other thing one important thing i don't know i don't recall if i mentioned it on uh, one on the podcast before but i've been talking about it in the discord with the discord supporters and i've been providing feedback and analysis on everything that's been happening uh from like a basically like from a eyes on the ground up perspective obviously i i can't provide insight on how the actual fighting is going on that uh, for that you have to rely on open open source intelligence mostly and uh guys like uh, Perron, uh the youtuber who makes uh, powerpoint presentations and uh, detailed analysis on on um the defense economics uh defense econ side of things <laughs> highly recommend uh okay so the mobilization hasn't been even across every region like the western parts of the country yeah people are scared and they're running but it's not like people are being forcibly dragged off to war like it's still mostly it's it's like they're trying to maintain a veneer of legality to it you know and compared to other regions like frontier regions the farther east you go the more brutal the whole process becomes up to and including press ganging essentially uh Buretia, my homeland as uh, like as always has uh, taken the brunt <laughs> of the mobilization efforts i don't know the current thinking goes like um the the head of the republic um uh the head of the republic alexei tsaginov who's been appointed by Putin, uh, tries to, you know, show that he's loyal, show his loyalty, and uh, maybe he's hoping for uh, promotion somewhere down the line. But, yeah, long story short, the guy is a, an ethnic Buddhist Mongol, same as me and same as everyone else, uh, same as, the, like, uh, half the populace of Bretje. And uh, he's kind of, like, giving us, uh, giving us up on a platter. <laughs> and it's uh it's not just uh concent- concentrated in Bureti as well it's like it's happening in uh, places like Duwa uh which is populated by um culturally mongolic but ethnically turkic people uh that's uh, still considered mongolic due to the the uh, extreme extremely close cultural ties it's been happening in Altai also populated by indigenous siberian turkic peoples uh Saha uh, Republic, uh, also known as Ikutia, and that place also populated by a predominantly Turkic people and um, with uh, with a distinctly Tungusic cultural roots. Uh, people from villages being dra- just uh, the military commissariat patrols, the police patrols, Rosguardia patrols, Rosguardia uh, or Rosguard patrols, like they keep going through they keep going house to house uh getting their hands on every able-bodied man in the village and dragging them off to buses same same picture in the cities as well going house to house banging on the doors uh if you respond they like uh they just 
barge into your into your house and they hand off the military commissariat notice and uh, if the police are present if the police officers present you are essentially press ganged uh, you are essentially shanghai press ganged into service that's what's been happening yeah so <laughs> Oh, uh, where do you, where the fuck do I even begin? Jesus. Okay, so to start, I guess I just, uh, I guess I'll just start at the beginning. So uh, before the war, uh, I started getting reports of uh, military movements near the border, near the Ukrainian border, and the hacks started sharing open source intelligence with me, showing the maps and such. And I was like, I looked at the order of battle, and uh, the like, like the 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 order of battle for the alleged um like uh military maneuvers a uh, training exercise that's uh, going to happen near the Ukrainian border and I was like, oh fuck oh fuck yeah 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 they're going to invade and I was like fuck me and I uh, opened opened <laughs> um uh, a USD account and uh, started like gathering money at first it was like maybe like 250 bucks <laughs> i don't know <laughs> and, yeah so uh i i looked at this kept looking at the situation like updating everyone and then when the invasion started i was like oh fuck yeah i'm grabbing my girlfriend we're getting out fuck this and then um, yeah uh thanks to the like donate thanks to the extremely generous donations uh from my colleagues and uh uh, some of my patrons, uh, we like, and that was, uh, that was when the ground borders with most, um, uh, with most everyone were closed and the, the nearest spot where we could be, where we could flee was, uh, Mongolia. But since, uh, the, the ground border was closed, we couldn't take the bus as we would usually do. So we had to fly there, and the ticket prices were just fucking insane, like 700 bucks. <laughs> all in all, it's just <laughs> for, 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 uh, for 60 minutes worth in the air. <laughs> it's just, just insane. Yeah, I gathered all our documents, gathered all our stuff, and just bailed. And in the, over there, we just... Uh, yeah, first uh, we tried to gather our bearings and uh, the first thing that we needed to do is get vaccinated with uh, WHO approved vaccines because Sputnik isn't recognized by by any, you know, real country as 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 a, as a, as a real vaccine except maybe Australia. So, and the problem was that I I received my second Sputnik second Sputnik dose like a week before I had to leave. <laughs> so <laughs> we found the clinic we got the shots um my girlfriend had um a pretty bad reaction but i had to take the fucking ice bath because it it's got so bad and then we started gathering information uh it seemed that uh things were relatively quiet back home but the sanctions meant that we couldn't receive any more donations until we uh, find a way to receive the, that money because uh, Russian banks would just stop working. So we cashed out and uh, we lived on, on that on those cash reserves for like several months, and uh, we kept hopping back and forth between uh, Mongolia and uh, 
Burecie, partially because in Mongolia it's just we had access in Mongolia to stuff, to information, to inst- like um, places like visa centers, uh, embassies, that kind of stuff. Um, got married in the meantime, and then we set out kind of uh, we we set out on a plan. Uh, we first we wanted to go to South Korea, but they allowed my wife, my now wife, entry to South Korea, but didn't give me <laughs> didn't didn't allow me entry to South Korea. So like for some reason, I don't know. Even though we were legally married by then, I don't know fucking. It was some bullshit. So uh, my wife went to South Korea to to make some money, and uh, in the meantime, I headed to Georgia. And yeah, and uh, that's where we are now. My wife, my wife is. uh, We're going to to reunite pretty soon, and in the meantime, I'm just working with the attorneys, and um, yeah. That's basically like the long and short of it. Like for for several months, that's how that's what our, our life has been. We've been hopping from place to place, gathering mm-hmm. documents, gathering info, and uh, just uh, keeping keeping uh, our ear to the ground in terms of recent developments. And so now, the most recent development uh, means that uh, a whole bunch of uh, like e- even more people are going to die. And uh, this is uh, one of those occurrences. This is one of those occurrences where I would love to be horrendously wrong uh, in regards to how the whole thing is going to go. Because at the beginning of the war, I said that basically in order to, like the best case scenario geopolitically for the world is to basically destroy Russia economically, like force everyone to leave. And uh, for the Ukrainians to kill as many Russian soldiers to like stand and fucking fight to the death and uh, um, enforce a stalemate, and then as the support keeps pouring on, perhaps they may uh, go uh, on the on the offensive themselves. And that's what happened. If you want proof, just <laughs> join the Discord. You may find all my posts uh, from from February twenty four in there. <laughs> like. Fucking hell! If that's oh my god, like uh, on one hand, uh, like yeah, from an, an analytical like like it's weird. From an analytical standpoint, I understand what needs to happen, but when you like uh, you you lose that, when you zoom out, that's how the world looks. Like okay, Ukrainians are doing well, Russia is fucked, everything's great, and then. <laughs> And then, like, um, uh, I go back down, and then I realize I still have a fucking Russian passport. So everything that happens to Russia still, like, has to do with me. And uh, a disproportionate amount of casualties on the front line, most, like, a lot of them are from my region. A lot of them are my compatriots. And uh, they were forced there. Like... uh, to explain why uh, so many people from poor regions go to the military, because like that's the only means of social mobility available to them. Uh, the way that uh, Russia has exploited those regions for hundreds of years has left them in this like decaying state, like a state of continuous, unending decay, if that makes any sense. There's fuck all to do. 
fuck all career opportunities and the only thing like that pays well is the military or the the, the Ross Guard or the police. So people go there. Like what the fuck uh, what the fuck else are you going to do? Like I'm the lucky one. I'm one of the very few people who have been able to find like some kind of career opportunity with my skills. Like w- with the actual skills that I have. Like a lot of in a lot of cases like Guys from Buretti will uh, get the diploma, get the bachelor's degree, and then I don't want to. What are they going to do? Most of my friends have higher education, but they can't find any jobs. There's none, and without money, you can't relocate because Russia kind of limits, kind of artificially limits uh, mobility within the country as well because tickets, plane tickets, are expensive. Uh, traveling by train is uh, relatively cheap, but it, take, it takes a fucking long time, long ass time. And when you arrive, rent is prohibitively expensive. And uh, to uh, to provide some kind of like uh, a reference point, I make four hundred bucks per month, and by Russian standards, that's very good. By the standards of my region, at the very least, and. Uh, Rent in most places, if you wish to uh, wish to have like a normal, well-equipped apartment, uh, that's also four four hundred bucks per month. <laughs> the most annoying thing, however, has been uh, throughout all these months was um, hearing like the hot takes, the hot takes from all sides, like the way it just. One th- one thing that's that's evident is that people uh, from the Western world uh, across the world have no fucking idea how Russia works. Many of them didn't even know that uh, my people exist or any other minorities that live in Russia. To them, a Russian is like a, a guy wearing a, a, a woolly hat with ears, with flappy ears, drinking vodka, and uh, he's predominantly white, always, always, almost always white, and. All the hot takes that I've been hearing is like fucking, even from presumably well-educated, well-informed uh, Western observers, is like, oh, the reason why Russia is dictatorial is uh, from the uh, Asiatic barbarian past of uh, the Russian Federation. If, uh, in case you didn't know, the Russians used to be, you know, it used to be that all the Mongols, they came from the east. The hordes from the east came and raped everyone. And that's why the Russians are so barbaric and prone to barbarism and they support dictatorships. That's the type of commentary uh, like I've had to hear. Like, I don't think I have to point out why that sort of commentary, well, first of all, is... like, First of all... Russia, like the Mon- the Mongol Empire existed like eight hundred fucking years ago. The Russians had plenty of time to figure this shit out for themselves. <laughs> Second of all, that that's I mean that's just that's fucking racist, is what it is. Like, come on, <laughs> Jesus. And then there's the Russians themselves. Like the the the, the Russian liberals, they leave uh, the country uh, shortly after the invasion starts. They run everywhere, and when reports of war crimes start coming in, what do I hear? Oh, the Russians! It's not the Russians doing all those things. It's 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 the Mongols. 
the evil Mongols, the, the Asiatic barbarians from the East. It's, it's in their blood, it's in their culture to be that way. What do you expect? They're poor and uneducated back there. They live in mud huts. Don't touch us. Give us visas. Prosecute them. Prosecute the yellow-ass, narrow-eyed fucking orcs. Fucking orcs that, uh, that, uh, have, that are raping and pillaging. And like... The, 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 these orcs that uh, have like... The, the came flooding into Ukraine, destroying everything. It's, uh, it's in their genes. And like, motherfucker, <laughs> uh, like, y people from Moscow uh, who haven't had to work a day in their fucking life because uh, they have, like, they own five, like, seven, seven apartments in the city center and uh, make passive income off that, uh, landowners. The landowners, that's, that's what they are, and they basically, like, they have had money, they've had enough money to flee Russia, and that's that's what they're saying now about people who have no means of leaving the country and no means of dodging uh, dodging the draft or, like, protesting in any way because look at what happened to Chechnya. And people, like, uh, foreign observers talking about, how come none of them are protesting it's like they don't like freedom or something. Uh, like, motherfucker, you go ahead and protest. Come on. Just <laughs> if, imagine you're a Russian citizen. Uh, like, the Russian police regularly torture and beat anyone they, they detain. In, they, they get filmed in public beating people and it does nothing. People are left crippled. Uh, after 24 hours in police custody, that's what happens. Uh, the uh, the Rose Guard has a right to shoot into crowds. That's a real law. So, yeah, go ahead and do it. I mean, obviously, like standing up for yourself and uh, making yourself heard, like the way that uh, the people in Iran are currently doing, is it's incredibly brave. Knowing that, doing that, knowing that you very likely die but is is that like it's it's like all those comments like uh, oh the russians have uh, the russian citizenry including the minorities uh, of of which i'm not aware of <laughs> uh, have made their bed and now they have to lay in it before we accept accept any refugees, they should have sh like if we if they wanted to be accepted as refugees, they should they should have shown th their willingness to stand up for themselves. Like it's like in order to prove that you love freedom, you should die. <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah, we'll be we'll gladly let you in if you get shot by armed policemen, uh, if like uh, by going out with a with a with a makeshift. Uh, Banner saying that Putin is a dickhead. Jesus. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is what what the whole episode is going to be. It's just me hearing grievances, I guess. Uh, where the fuck was I? Oh my god.
just uh, all sorts of asinine commentary from all sides coming from all sides and uh uh I, I, like the fight side is the only platform available to me to talk about this stuff <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't be shocked if uh, the fight side subscribers uh, are actually like one of the more informed people when it comes to the whole situation compared to your average westerner or american or european like or, or whatever The one, the one uh, good thing that I've uh, observed, at least, is that uh, now that there's a massive exodus of um, Buryat Mongols from uh, Buretia, uh, uh, the uh, Halkha Mongols, the uh, you know the Mongol Mongols from uh, from Mongolia, the country, the independent country, they've uh, reacted with uh, well, they, they showed uh, a willingness to accept everyone and uh, there's been reports of uh, Mongolians letting uh, uh, fleeing uh, fleeing uh, Russian citizens and uh, Buryats to hop in hop into the car and they all, they took them across the border and right now the um, Hural which is uh, the ruling which is the government uh, which is the parliament the Mongolian parliament currently trying to figure out a solution for this for this influx for find I don't know, figure something out. Maybe some changes in legislation to extend, to give, to to hand out emergency visas or something like that. Because there's no repatriation program for uh, the Mongols uh, from uh, other regions. Like, uh, I don't know, it's probably like, the, the causes are always political, naturally, because if you, because technically, when you're, Technically, if you if you were born in a in a in an ethnic republic like Buretia, you're still a Russian citizen by all rights, except you're not treated like one. <laughs> like on paper, you have all these rights, and you are subject to all these international sanctions and uh, rules and uh, uh, all other types of regulation that are pertinent to any other Russian citizen. Except ethnic Russians don't treat you like you're Russian. The Russian government doesn't treat you like you're Russian, I, and I mean the Russian government doesn't treat ethnic Russians all that all that well either. And uh, yeah, the Russian government could go, oh, how come you're offering these like privileges to uh, to uh, one subset of Russian citizenry and not everyone else? That's discrimination. Eh. So yeah, they they were kind of wary about uh, starting any repatriation programs for like uh, the the Kalmyk, Halmyk uh, people, and uh, for the Tuvans, and um, yeah, it's a mess. It's a it's a giant mess. But uh, I don't know. Maybe at least at the very least, this has galvanized uh, massively depressed people. With a massively depressed culture and uh, a language that's been nearly driven to extinction, the overall culture that's been nearly driven to extinction to find to kind of rally behind, like the idea that uh, uh, we don't want to be cannon fodder anymore. Because when we want, when we come to Moscow or Saint Petersburg, Petersburg or any other predominantly Russian city not necessarily even in western parts of the country or a big city like places like Novosibirsk, Irkutsk, 
Omsk, Tomsk, and uh, Novgorod, etc., etc. When you wish to rent an apartment, we're we're uh, we're fucking chinks, you know, fucking uh, fucking yellow monkeys. Not not, uh, not we're not handing out our property to any like uh, any of you fucking fucking mongrel mongrel barbarians that uh, live in shit and smell like shit and look like shit, etc. But when we have to go to war, we're all Russians. And it's our duty as Russians to take up arms against the enemies of the state. Lovely. Just lovely stuff. (coughs) Like to just, um, I don't know, for perspective... The indigenous peoples uh, that live on the territory of Russia, I would compare their situation to, let's say, Native Americans. Honestly, <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it because uh, a lot of, especially the uh, northern peoples, the Tungusic peoples, the Samoyedic peoples, they're they're just uh, there's fuck all left uh, in regards of their. Like in regards to their culture and language and customs and um, population even. If you travel to the Yamal-Nenitsky Okrug, um, and if you're Canadian, if you're a Canadian listener, you will understand this. Like compare it to some place like, uh, for example, Nunavut. Exactly the same situation. Uh, Maybe better in some cases and uh, worse in some others. Like roughly the same thing. So yeah, shit's grim. And um, I think um, what's uh, what's been evident, like uh, a clear that like the whole thing, it showed a clear misunderstanding, like inability to to grasp that imperialism and colonialism can be different. It has types and can vary. Uh, because uh, a lot of tankies, they seem to believe that only Western powers can be like colonial or imperialist. And uh, because America bad, uh, because America am bad, uh, and uh, Russia opposes America, it means that Russia is good. Which is just the mo- like, uh, this is like, wh- what is this? This is baby brain shit. Like literal goo goo gaga fucking bullshit. If you read the history of the Russian Empire, like the like I I don't know. I guess the only reason why nobody like considers Russia to be a colonial empire is because it's all one continuous landmass. And it, it doesn't like the thoughts doesn't visit people. Like the thought like, they don't think that maybe Across all this land, this enormous fucking, like, half a continent, there may be some other people living in there. And they may not have wanted to be part of Russia before before the Russians came. Then go, oh, okay, like, yeah, we'll hop, in, hop on board. Become a second-class citizen. Uh, let you have all our natural resources. Let you treat our women like shit and kill our men. Uh, yeah, why not? Fuck it. Sounds awesome. That that's what happened, I guess. And that's how the uh, 
Russian history books uh, teach it. That's how they present the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> when we were taught the history of Buryatia in schools, they would say like, oh, the word Buryat comes from the word brat, which means brother, and uh, you're a... Uh, you're our brothers, and uh, when we came, the the, the heavily armed Cossacks <laughs> came to to, to Buretia. They looked at uh, the Buret people, and they went, "Oh, they're our brothers. Want to live together?" And the Buret people went like collectively shrugged and went like, "Okay." <laughs> this is this is that's this is what's being taught in schools. I'm not joking. Uh, <clears throat> And it used to be that uh, the Buryat language was um, taught in schools, and now it's became uh, it, it's been suppressed. And uh, the Russian, the ethnic Russians living on, on the territory of Buryatia, they always deny that uh, there's racism there because uh, uh, I mean, like it's the, the the typical old thing of like stop. Stop saying there's racism. Racism only exists because you brought it up. Uh, and it's not because I am refusing to acknowledge my transgressions and my behavior and uh, look at what I'm doing. Like Acknowledge that perhaps the way that I treat minorities is, uh, is disrespectful in any way, shape or form. Because, oh, it's jokes. And there's always like these people... Uh, from uh, that are also a member of a minority, but because they wish to fit in so much, they start, you know, doing uncle, like doing, legitimately doing Uncle Tom shit. Like, yeah, I have, I have, I have cunt eyes. I'm cunty eyed. <laughs> Vietnamese. <laughs> Welcome to the rice fields. That kind of crap. And this is like, this is just an example of a damaged national psyche damaged national pride like through years and years and years of subjugation and oppression this is how people start behaving because uh you know they don't want to be abused singled out and uh, uh made fun of and uh, uh punished for rocking the boat that that's uh, that's the reality of it uh, well, yeah. Since we're we're on the subject of um, uh, Russia as a colonial power, and um, people asking like, why, why don't you, why don't you rebel? Have you heard of something? Have you perhaps heard of something called the Chechen Wars, and what the Russians have done to the Chechens during those wars, and how many Chechens were killed? And how the Chechens were demonized as evil terrorists for decades to come after that. That's the reason why. Like, consider this. If Russia is ready to wage a war of aggression against the people they always talk about as being um, a sister people. Uh, the Ukraine, like, this is the idea of uh, Vilika Ross, a.k.a. the Great Russian. And it's uh, was it's something that uh, was born during the Imperial Russian days, where Russia would always uh, involve itself in the matters of the Balkan states, Crimean War, uh, 
first World War One, all uh, all those all those like um, conflicts between great empires. The way it's positioned itself always is that uh, oh we are the greatest Slavic people on earth, and it's our duty to protect the smaller Slavic peoples, and it's kind of an extension of that. They basically deny autonomy to Ukraine to the Ukrainians. Like the Ukrainians are essentially confused Russians, and the Ukrainian language is a wacky dialect of Russian, even though Russian is the wacky dialect of uh, Slavic language amongst all Slavic languages. Russian is the wackiest one with the most loan words, the most uh, like uh, the 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 biggest amount of borrowed stuff and dropped like verbs and uh, tenses and all that all that good stuff. Like consider this: up and up until the Napoleonic Wars, the entire Russian court only spoke French, and then German afterwards. So there's this idea of the great Russian that protects all the other small Russians and uh, Ukraine and Belarusia and um, Bulgaria and um, all those nearby regions were considered to be uh, Malarossia. Russia itself was uh, the, the central Russia, the Russia around Mos- Moscow and the Russia past the Ural Mountains, Siberia, it was called Velikarossia, the great Russia. And the other those are all those other bits in the eyes of the empire were Malorussia, okay, the small Russia. So, if like, look at the atrocities committed against the Ukrainians during the war, and consider, uh, compare that to what Russia has done to the Chechens in the Chech- in the two Chechen wars. What's happened to their the uh, capital, Grozny, leveled to the fucking ground, destroyed almost as badly or even worse than Berlin in 1945. So take all that into account and think what the Kremlin is going to do to any other republic that decides to secede from Russia. And consider the fact that what Russia is currently doing is like they're killing two, uh, they're killing two birds with one stone. They're, uh, they're tr- well, trying to cure at least, only succeeding in one, you know, only succeeding in killing one. They wanted to subjugate Ukraine and kill off non-Slavic minorities living on the territory of Russia. And it's not a conspiracy theory. Just if you look at the statistics. And you can look them up on um, sources like, yeah, you can look at open source intelligence uh, numbers uh, per region, the casualties per region. And uh, you can look at uh, the st- statistics from uh, Free, Bre- uh, Free Buretia Foundation, uh, like uh, Sahar Against War or Asians of Russia. Or, uh, and they, they've been concerning themselves with uh, do, doing like a head count of all the casualties and uh, the amount of able-bodied men carried off to war from those regions and uh, the ethnic uh, makeup of those people. Uh, What's doubly annoying about the war crime accusations and uh, the Mongolic barbarity bullshit is that um, 
obviously the majority of all combat troops in Ukraine are still ethnically Russian. But uh, what the observers are doing, they're basically doing this fucking... It's almost like... God, it's it's almost like the 13 or like uh, 12% crap that uh, the white supremacists in America say. Oh, uh, 50% of all crimes committed by 12% of the population. That kind of crap. This is what it is. So, yeah. Uh, minorities are being killed off and uh, blamed for all the atrocities by specifically by the Russian side to like, kind of like wash their hands off uh, all the war crimes. The racist, uh, the the racists on the other side gladly eat it up, going as far as to say that, oh, our cause is just because uh, uh, Russia is not a Slavic state; they're actually uh, uh, a continuation of the barbaric Mongol Empire that's going to destroy us all. Uh, Russia is Mordor, and uh, everyone in there is an Asiatic barbarian, and. Uh, uh, we're gonna protect uh, Western traditional values and that kind of stuff, and uh, you're really similar to what uh, Hitler has been saying about the USSR, by the way, <laughs> during in his speeches to the to the Wehrmacht uh, during uh, the Second World War when the Eastern Front was opened. <laughs> Just exact same shit, word for word. It's it's insane. The Russians themselves are saying that the Kremlin itself is talking about like they're using. Nazi rhetoric to talk about Ukraine while calling the Ukraine Nazi like Nazis, and then on the western side of the border, foreign conservative conservative foreign observers and the good Russian liberals quote unquote using Nazi rhetoric to explain why Russia is committing war crime while calling Russians while calling Russians Nazis. It's 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 so crazy. It's, it's just <laughs> it's just hit me. <laughs> Honestly, haven't put it uh, haven't put it all together until I spelled it out. Jesus Christ, God. Oh my God. Ah. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's it's just a mess. The whole thing is a mess. In order to, honestly, in order to explain the whole conflict and in order to explain why Russia is behaving the way it does, you have to go so so far back. And uh, there's on the there honestly should be, uh, and there probably is, um, a faculty or maybe an institute of like of Russian studies overseas, because otherwise you like it, it genuinely. Explaining all this requires someone who would specialize in it. And especially for the eastern part of the country, because everything past the Ural Mountains is different. It's like there's a huge cultural divide between, you know, Western Russians and uh, not Eastern Russians, but rather frontier Russians. And there's a further divide between all those Russians and uh, the population, the indigenous population of the ethnic republics, and uh, oblasts and uh, okrugs and um, other places. 
it's all like, for example, Beretia. Okay, so uh, Beretia is historically part of Mongolia, or has been up until 1700s. And during the Treaty of uh, Kakta, Mongolia at that point has been subjugated uh, by the Qin Empire. And it used to be subject to the Qin Empire. And the Qin Empire came after the Yuan Empire. Uh, the Yuan Empire fell apart and uh, it left northern Yuan and um, uh, other. And uh, the four the four Oirats. Oirat, and um, yeah, it's a, it's, a whole, it's a whole history lesson in itself. It's just thousands and thousands of fucking years of history in that region. Uh, so yeah, Chin, the Chin Empire came, subjugated Mongolia, and uh, the Russian Empire started like feuding with the Chin Empire for the Russian Far East, for what is now the Russian Far East. And they decided on a treaty that uh, the territories up north um, would um, would become Russian, and uh, uh, the Chin Empire will get to keep Mongolia and uh, the other the southern side. Of what is uh, what is the Far East? Uh, that's how all those regions uh, came under Russian rule. Russia kept pushing east and kept pushing north, subjugating more and more territories. And uh, yeah, so and to to give you some context, like the territory of Bretia has been populated by the by nomads since prehistory. The earliest signs of civilization that could be found are like are in 300, 200 fucking BCE. And um, like, <laughs> you know, like it, it was used to be part of the Shonnu Empire and the Shonnu are the, um, the Hunts. Uh, the the you the ancestors of the Huns that came west and uh, terrorized uh, the Roman Empire. That's how far the history goes. And then there were the uh, the Rurun Khaganate, and then came the Mongol Empire, then came the Northern Yuan. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the um, the um, the border between Buretia and uh, Mongolia uh, became established as a trading point between Russia and the Qin Empire. And then when the communists, uh, and like we kind of like existed uh, as a, the, the Russian Empire kind of let us do our own thing, even though there have been attempts, uh, like the subjugation of the Buryat people has, has not been peaceful. People have been killed. Uh, women have been stolen and raped. Uh, other people have been forcefully Christianized under threat of death, and then it only stopped. Uh, uh, all like uh, it was kind of like a military colony. The Cossacks, the Cossacks lived on the territory of Beretia. They established a, uh, a, f- a fortress, <clears throat> and uh, kind of uh, did whatever they wanted to do. <clears throat> and then uh, the Beret people, uh, having had enough walked all the way to St. Petersburg, which was the capital of the Russian Empire back then. And um, to give you a sense of scope, 
to give you a sense of scope, there's that that's six thousand kilometers going from Ulan Ude, which is the capital of uh, the modern capital of Buretia, to Saint Petersburg. So uh, the delegation came to Tsar Emperor, um, the former Tsar now Emperor uh, Peter the Great, uh, Peter the First, and they explained everything that's been happening to them, and that's when. It's kind of uh, uh, a new order has been established and they kind of like, um, uh, we were kind of left to our own devices. And then during the Soviet years, uh, I mean, obviously we still lived like second class citizens. It was like the, it's like any other colonial empire, we were like the natives, the barbaric natives, and there were the civilized Russians living there. And then uh, during the Soviet days, uh, uh, there were like there the started like a great, a great big push towards uh, russifying all the indigenous peoples and uh, everywhere else that has uh, that had uh, a Soviet influence. Um, speaking the Buryat language has become discouraged. The the language started dying, and uh, yeah. It was the birth of uh, the Homo Sovieticus, the, the Soviet man. Uh, having any cultural hang-ups was a sign of barbarity and uh, an acceptance of communism. It's, it's just a massive, massive subject. I'm just brushing over so many things. Uh, yeah, so when the Soviet Union dissolved, uh, so... Uh, the Buryat ASSR declared its sovereignty in 1990 and adopted the name Republic of Buretia. And it kind of remained an autonomous republic within the Russian Federation. And uh, like it, it, there was a lot of turmoil back then. It was like the Soviet Union was falling apart. And <clears throat> in 1995, Buretia signed a power-sharing agreement with the federal government, like um, which kind of reinforced the autonomy. Uh, but effectively, we were still part of Russia. It's just that uh, there were kind of like things were looking up in the sense that people thought that yeah, maybe now is the time to start reviving our culture and everything. But uh, in two thousand two, the agreement was abolished, <laughs> and <laughs> the heads of the republic started becoming started being. Uh, the heads of the republic have been predominantly Russian. From that point on, and then uh, Putin appointed. Uh, he was not elected. He appointed the head of the republic, the new head of the republic, uh, Alexei Tsadinov, who is an ethnic Buryat but has never been to Buryatia before. Um, doesn't speak a word of Buryat and uh, is extremely loyal to Kremlin, which is uh, evident in how uh, he treats his own people. You know. Hilariously, uh, hilariously, the chairman of uh, uh, the Buryat Hural is ethnically Russian, although he <laughs> speaks the Buryat language fluently. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just <laughs> this is like uh, the ridiculous irony of it all. Oh Jesus! I mean, it's it's not like uh, 
I mean, we kind of, it's not like we were the punching bag, the Russia, Russia's punching bag all this time. There were like remarkable people in our history. There were like the, the, the modern independent Mongolia, uh, during the early communist days, uh, the, the whole, every institution, uh, like legislative, executive and uh, governing body uh, in Mongolia of the day has been founded by ethnic uh, Burat people that's uh, Burat scholars that uh, were educated in Russian universities it's just that uh, the problem was uh, they kind of like uh, they embraced this idea of uh, becoming cosmopolitan and modernizing too hard. They were too uncompromising in the way that they tried to reform the, the Mongolia of the day. And, um, but they were extremely successful nonetheless. It's just that it kind of, up until a certain point, up until the 40s, I think, or the 30s, every single um, major public figure in Mongolian history, in, in Mongolian governance, has been uh, Burat Mongolian and kind of like created a divide, a class divide, ironically, between. Uh, uh, between uh, Buret Mongols and uh, Khalkha Mongols, which is like, which is kind of funny because uh, I mean, obviously they wanted to build communism and they created a class divide, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, and uh, uh, the foreign minister of the day, who was an ethnic Kazakh, uh, uh, he was. Uh, he was uh, a staunch ideologue. He was uh, an ascriber to the idea. He, he, he ascribed to the idea of the Homo Sovieticus wholeheartedly. And um, Stalin exploited that. And uh, he was also very wary of uh, any pan-Mongolist sentiment. Uh, so uh, all those people have been purged and uh, thus died the idea of uh, a unified, like, uh, reunified Mongolia, I guess. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, there's, there's so much history there. Uh, I honestly could go on for ages, and um, if uh, I could get my hands on any, like, first-hand sources and uh, do some brush-up my memory, I could turn it into a legitimate series, maybe on Patreon, I don't know. People have been clamoring for it for a long time now. No, well, not, not not everyone, but just there were a couple subscribers who were ex expressed interest in it. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, this is kind of. I mean, Russia is like an empire in every sense of the word. It's, uh, um, it's like. It comes, it sucks out all the juices out of the region, leaves behind some infrastructure, as, as one does, because uh, how else he would extract resources. But not, not too much. And, <laughs> uh, and yeah, and then uh, leaves turmoil in its wake. It's just that the difference, I guess, between... Between some of the Western imperialist powers and uh, uh, Russian imperialism is that the institutions were different. 
it's like um uh i've like i bang this drum all the time <laughs> it's like why nations fail why why companies fail why uh why does everything happen institutions there's extractive institutions and there's uh, inclusive institutions and extractive institutions is exactly what russia was and is it sucks out and uh uh, gives out most of the stuff to the majority. I mean, it's not like the Western imperialist countries don't do that or didn't do that. It's just that the professed idea of uh, democracy, democratization, and uh, rule of law, it's uh, it's still a powerful enough idea that it leaves... Uh, mm, avenues for progress and the economic growth and uh, it le it leaves people with the ability to voice dissent without being like suppressed immediately i can get suppressed in indirectly there's still some violence but it's not as blatant or brazen as what's happening in Russia, as, as what Russia does or China does these days. There's a difference there. It's like the sheer idea of it, the sheer idea of democracy, is. it's like it's powerful enough that it still leads to uh, good outcomes sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> not not a glowing endorsement, but it, it's a lot better. It's it's still better than uh, what we have, what us uh, Russian and Chinese citizens have. The one concern I have is that what happens next? Okay, so Ukraine wins the war, the Russian government is toppled, uh, Russia is destroyed as a military and uh, economic entity. What happens next? Like I mean, nature abhors a vacuum. If, if uh, the issue I have with uh, the idea of completely destroying Russia and everyone seceding from Russia is that there's still possibility for federalism in Russia. If the federations re regain their autonomy and that, and it leads to a, the creation of a genuine pluralistic. Russia that serves a common goal that means China can't move up north that's the, that's the thing China has been moving up north for a while now they, they they've exert they're exerting soft power uh, they're setting up businesses they're cooperating uh, in terms of business and uh, in certain it's, it's, sometimes they even set up production. Uh, a patron asked me the other day, like, what even is North? Like, it's, it's, it's all snow. Uh, no, you see, Siberia is, uh, the Rush, is Russia's mining colony. We have a wealth of natural resources. Coal, uh, precious metals, um, conductors, semiconductors, um, oil, gas... I mean, there's the, there's the Siberian volcanic traps that also produce a lot of stuff. Uh, there's diamond mines up north. 
the forest, the fucking Siberian taiga, which is like the second second lung of the earth, to to complement the uh, Amazon rainforests. There's also that the boreal forests of uh, of Siberia. Uh, lots of stuff, lots of stuff up north. <laughs> and given that China is hell bent on growing its industry and polluting the environment ever more, uh, all those. Uh, Perishables, all those, well, not perishables, all those, uh, all those raw resources, uh, they would serve their purposes very well. And they would like to, they will probably not invade, but they'll probably just, if all the republics secede, and it's a long shot, but let's say there's a power vacuum left and uh, or, for example, a new government comes, but it's severely weakened and it needs investment. If China provides investment, they'll take it. And if China just biz- builds businesses everywhere, they don't need to fucking like try and conquer anything. It's already theirs. And Russia becomes a colony. Uh, it becomes a, a, a corporate colony for China. <laughs> it's like, I think we talked about this the other day uh, in regards to... Uh, the Democratic Republic of of uh, the Congo, in how they are, the current government is trying to set up like uh, mining operations and stuff and drilling operations in uh, nature preserves. Like, oh, the West is hypocritical and they 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 build their wealth on the backs of um, on a the build they've built their wealth by destroying the environment. How come we can't destroy our own environment? In order to get, in order to become as wealthy as the West, and the, the the thing here is, on the surface, this seems like a like a real grievance, like a like something justifiable. But in practice, it's just an excuse for kleptocrats, for authoritarian kleptocrats, to to become rich, to enrich themselves at the expense of everyone else, because. They they're selling the rights to drill all this stuff to foreign corporations that just start drilling there without any regulations because the local legislation allows them to do so, and uh, the government receives a nice profit from that profit that never sees that uh, never makes its way to the hands of the common people. Trickle down economics, my ass. If you if you if you still believe in trickle down economics in uh, 2022, uh, I, I, I got a bridge to sell to you. <clears throat> and the reason why this happens? Do you want me to tap the sign? Institutions. It's all. It all comes down to institutions in the end. It's uh. Uh, extractive versus inclusive. Um, <laughs> every single fucking time, it always happens. The only solutions to that are democratization, transparency, and introdu- introduction of real pluralism. And uh, one way of preserving the quote-unquote crumb- crumbling Western civilization is uh, just... Uh, is make immigration easier. <laughs> make it easier. 
Yeah, if not open borders, at least like make make uh, visaless entry possible. I mean, come on. Uh, I mean, obviously, I stand to benefit from that sort of legislation very much. But just check out, for example, Alex uh, Novraste. Novraste? Novraste. Uh, Iranian last name. It's N-O-W-S-T. Um, fuck. I'm so bad at spelling out stuff. It's just uh, not something you do in Russian. I'm sorry. So, uh, N-O-W-S-T-A. T-E-H. Fuck. Come on. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. Let me Google his name. I'm sorry. Alex, I'm, I'm sincerely sorry. I'm trying to plug you. N-O-W-R-A-S-T-E-H. Nauraste. Uh, fuck it. Close enough. So, yeah. He's a huge advocate for, advocate for immigration. He's uh, he's a uh, he's an analyst, and uh, sadly, the only place that could hire him is the fucking Cato Institute, which fucking sucks. It's a fucking libertarian think tank. It's bullshit, but uh, the the guy himself is very legit. He's uh, he's an uh, economist, and uh, he's he like provides evidence based uh, provides evidence provides studies and uh, that prove how immigration preserves democracies and plurality and uh, just uh, leads to economic growth. Immigrants, I mean, fucking immigrants were like were compelled by the sheer fact of wanting to come to your country and work to be productive. <laughs> I mean, that's how it fucking works. And uh, immigration doesn't lead to, like, people taking up jobs. It leads to job creation because immigrants also start businesses all over the place. Jesus. Uh, yeah, this is this is becoming very rambly. I'm just talking about all the topics that kind of, like, piss me off, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I kind of wanted to fill you guys in uh, as to what's happening. Uh, maybe explain my situation more in depth. Ended up yammering about a bunch of topics. I don't know if you if you like if uh, there's been some interesting stuff that I mentioned that you want me to elaborate upon. Uh, leave a comment or write or contact me on Discord. And uh, maybe I'll make more. There's uh, not much about, not much in terms of MMA to talk about. At least uh, not in terms of stuff that's uh, interested me. So I'll mostly focus on uh, like these uh, broad spectrum topics. Maybe I'll even figure out how to tie all this to MMA. Actually, in fact, global economic and political stability helps sports. And uh, democratic institutions, uh, inclusive democratic institutions, they and uh, state-funded programs cause more athletes to come into the sport and try it out because because economic stability dictates that 
they, they have the means to try it out. They can train. They can pay for training. They can uh, like people who just can try stuff because they want to. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and if Russia hasn't been so, wasn't such a shithole, we might see even more athletes come into the sport because so many people like for every person that makes it out of uh, of the trenches, so to speak. There's hundreds more that are drowned in the. Uh, there's hundreds more that are drowned in the trenches. Uh, yeah, see, I, I can uh, I can check check out these bullshitting skills. I can finagle my way out of anything. <laughs> Here's hoping I can finagle my way out of fucking off the fucking continent uh, and settle somewhere else. Anyway, uh, if you like this, uh, I guess, uh, what is this? What do you even call this? If you like this collection of rants uh, and you'd like to hear more, subscribe to our Patreon. And there's been a recent Patreon rework. Uh, if you haven't been subscribed to us, it's, uh, it's no big deal. Just read up on the on the tiers. There's, it's still a work in progress. Some of the... Benefits will get shuffled around. Some will become cheaper. Some will get pricier. But so far, what you see is what you get. Uh, those who don't know, we got rid of all the higher tiers because like, no one fucking subscribed to them. And it offered stuff like videos and articles. And uh, I've talked about this before. It's like, it's bullshit. We can't, we can't handle that kind of workload. It's impossible. We'll move all that to a Ko-Fi account, which is, which is yet to be set up. But uh, it'll have commission info and you'll be able to commission articles and um, podcasts and videos. But so far on the Patreon, what you'll get is exclusive podcasts, alternate commentary, behind the scenes stuff. Sometimes we, after we record, we hold long conversations about uh, whatever the fuck it can be. Us nerding out over technique, sharing uh, training stories, maybe discussing... Uh, some topics that's uh, kind of tangentially related to what's what was discussed on the podcast, but uh, it was kind of like extraneous or was just too much. That's the stuff you'll get. Also, Q&As, and you'll be able to vote on uh, to kind of like to offer us feedback on what you'd like to see or maybe stuff you'd like to see changed up or just tell us that we should keep going as we uh, keep doing what we're doing. Uh, obviously, again, I have to ask you guys to read up on uh, the fundraiser updates and uh, uh, look up my Ko-Fi, uh, where I receive. I am currently receiving donations to to be able to pay for the for the freaking attorney services and uh, immigrate <laughs> once uh, once. Uh, if we if we achieve success with the attorneys and uh, my petition gets accepted. Anyway, stay tuned for more, I guess. Uh, if the situation develops, I'll try to provide more info. There's also... I mean, I've recorded... I've recorded a podcast, but I'm kind of like not, not quite satisfied with it. Um, it uh, has to do with uh, the history of Russian colonialism... And I tried to explain it in depth, but it actually needs a plan. Um, maybe I'll release it, maybe I won't. But uh, like as a bonus. Uh, 
with a disclaimer that it's also very rambly and kind of incoherent. But at least in this one, at least in this one, I kind of warned you that it's going to be uh, just a bunch of bullshit. Okay. Um, Dan Albert has released an article on your Romero. Like, uh, your Romero frequently gets um, uh, reduced to this kind of, like, uh, brutish explosion man. And um, there's actually subtle craft to his style, and Dan Albert uh, has attempted to explain it, and he's done a good job of it, I think. Up on our website, check it out. Beyond that, the Forbidden Technique podcast on the Fightside Podcast Network comes out every week, covers all the cards. Recently, um, um, they covered... uh, they thought that there's going to be an event this week, the IUC card, so they covered it, but it's actually next week. So go ahead and listen to that. You may find it on any audio platform of your choosing, like uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, I don't know, fucking Podchaser, Podtail, Pod, Pod, Podsucker, whatever. <laughs> Search for the Fightside Podcast Network. Also, if you're of, uh, if you're on PC and would not uh, don't want to subscribe to Spotify and all that other crap, just find us on Simplecast. That's where we upload all our shit as well. And uh, stay tuned for the Patreon up, uh, updates. And um, maybe there's there's uh, I think Ben Cohen has a panel in the works and maybe a couple of interviews as well. Yeah, there's lots of stuff. Uh, we we're, we're still working. Still working, even though uh, even though life happens, life gets in the way. Anyway, gotta head out. Um, this has been Tangridome, the the sort of uh, the sort of me bringing you up to speed episode. Uh, stay tuned for more. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>